Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Welcome in to Daily Faceoff Live, your go-to source for everything hockey. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into a Thursday edition of Daily Faceoff Live, streaming live on the DFO YouTube, and as always, brought to you by Batano. Our friends at Batano have a big announcement. They are the official partner of Copa America 2024, taking the beautiful game to new heights in the Americas. For all our footy fans out there, you already know Batano is your spot. I'm Tyler Ramchuk. He is not Frank Saravalli. He is Colby Cohn, filling in for the big man today. Colb, how's it going? You know, I, I, I would think the people now can tell when it's not Frank sitting across from you. But also, I'm excited today, Tyler, because we're matching. And you know I'm yeah. just probably the world's biggest Tyler Uremchuk. Um, maybe I have to fight John Butchergross for that title. But it's a cool day for me to match you. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, exciting stuff. I always love doing the show with you. I always say it because there's a lot of people who listen just on podcast form. I don't want them to get too thrown off when I throw to someone and they start talking and it's not Frank, you know? Okay. You're a smart guy. Fair enough. Uh, we have a lot to get to today. Our pal John Goins is going to swing by with the coach's room in a little bit, going to talk some Boston Bruins. But first, we got big news earlier this morning. The Columbus Blue Jackets have fired longtime general manager Yarmo Kekalainen Colby. It's safe to say the writing was on the wall for quite some time, basically since the Mike Babcock debacle, we'll call it, and then combine that with the really poor start to the season. We knew this was coming. 11 years at the helm for Yarmo. Only one playoff series victory in that time. It, it was time for Yarmo. Look, this is obviously a very patient owner because um, this has been 11 years of Yarmo Kekalainen, and this team has done very little over the course of 11 years. And since John Tortorella left, it's seemingly gone off of a cliff. And you have to wonder, um, seeing what Torts is doing in Philadelphia right now, maybe he was the, the steadying presence there in Columbus for a while because Every decision that they have seemingly made in the last number of years has gone the wrong way. It's backfired. The Mike Babcock thing, honestly, to me, that completely cost Kekalainen his job. I think he could have had a mediocre year, but I think that right there was when the owner knew he had to make a move. He probably didn't want to do it right at the beginning of a season to throw the team into more turmoil, but boy, did he not know what was going to ensue. This team has been bad. Uh, Kekalainen has gone out. He's tried to bring in guys like Provorov, guys like Severson. Nothing has seemed to work. And to me, it looks like a full house cleaning is really due in Columbus. Yeah, you look at the way some of those young players have been handled by Pascal Vincent. I don't think he's the guy there long term behind the bench. I would imagine again, he came in last minute because of the Babcock thing. I totally get her. He was given the job last minute uh, because of the Babcock thing. I would imagine whatever GM they hire is given the ability to hire his own coach right out of the gates as well. I would also add like full house cleaning. I, I don't think John Davidson is totally absolved of any, you know, wrong I agree with you. he was a part I, of that Babcock hiring and he's overseen a lot of these bad decisions. And listen, you look at the way New York, he, he kind of got his he pushed out of New York abruptly. He left the first time for New York abruptly, thought it was a great opportunity. Tyler, I, I think that's a really fair question to ask. Um, you got to wonder if, you know, maybe there is a, a mutual parting of the ways after a new GM is hired in the offseason. 
Um, what an enticing job Columbus is, yeah. though. I mean, they are loaded with prospects. They've got a good cap situation. They're locked into some players, but I think they're valuable players. You know, you've got Fantilli. You're going to get a top five pick potentially this year. Um, you know, I, I put it to you this way. If Kyle Dubas was smart, he should have waited for the Columbus job because he's got a mess on his hands in Pittsburgh. And I'm, I'm not trying to go off topic. I'm just saying I think Columbus is a very attractive job. I've already talked to a couple of potential candidates today. I'm doing my best Frank Saravalli, and they're all really hoping to be in the mix. Guys, we've heard names brought up for these these jobs before who haven't been head GMs, you know, um, you know, GMs before they've been assistants. Uh, they're licking their lips at this opportunity. And it's also an unbelievable fan base, unbelievably yeah. passionate fan base in Columbus. Yeah, it's one of those teams that I think a lot of people use as the butt of easy jokes, but the fifth line crowd out there in Columbus is exceptional. You mentioned Fantilli. They got Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, David Juracek, a handful of other really good D-men in the system. You mentioned their cap situation, projected to have around $21.5 million in cap space this summer. And they already have eight forwards, six D-men, and two goalies signed. Yeah. So once you get a couple of the cheap deals done for some of your young players, there's going to be an opportunity to spend. And also, again, like not known as a big market by any means, but that's an ownership group that has shown over the last couple yeah. of years. There are two things. They're very loyal. That would be incredibly attractive to a GM to say, hey, Yarmo got 11 years with one playoff round win. What am I going to do? If I can get this team to go on one playoff run or Stanley Cup run, what am Lifetime. I going to do? Lifetime yeah. appointment. It'd be like a Supreme Court judge. Let me just throw one more thing at you. Johnny Gaudreau was arguably the biggest free agent out there a couple of years ago. I don't remember who else was in that free agent class, but I can't remember anybody bigger than him. He chose to go to Columbus. Players actually will go and choose to go there. I know Cam Atkinson is a friend of mine, keeps his home in Columbus in the offseason. You know, I don't know what suburb he lives in, but this is a place that people like to be, and for good reason. Yeah, and again, the ownership group there, again, not a major market, but they've shown they're willing to spend. They gave a $9.5 million AAV to Wierenski. They ponied up the money to get Johnny Goudreau that summer. They gave Damon Severson almost $40 million in the summer. So they'll spend on the right pieces. I think this is a one of the top jobs that'll be available, if not the top job that'll be available, even as we head into the summer and more changes are made. We'll have more on this tomorrow when Frank returns to the big chair. Uh, the other news that we got last night, granted, Colby came out in Philly where they're putting the C in or on Couturier. Uh, the longtime Flyer officially named the team's 20th captain in franchise history. The Flyers originally had said they were going to go the full year without a captain, but come on, this just makes too much sense. He's very obviously their captain. <laughs> It's it's been this way for for quite a while. And I think the only reason they didn't do this sooner, Tyler, is because I think Danny Briere, Keith Jones um, and remember, Danny Briere was his teammate. It was a teammate of Sean Couturier's Couturier came into the league at 18. He's been in this league a very long time, but I think they needed to make sure that Sean Couturier was still a high end player. They wanted to make sure that the injury wasn't going to be some career-ending type of injury because there was rumors of that back in the day while he was going through his rehab. I say back in the day, like a year or two ago. <laughs> um, so I think they wanted to make sure that he could still be an elite center in the NHL. And he's all and he's proven that. He's proven that he can do it night in and night out. He's proven that he's still the same guy. Um, he's probably on a team-friendly contract right now. You know, maybe not in a couple of years, but right now it's pretty team friendly. You know, he's got a number of years left on his deal. 
And look, he's been the de facto captain in that dressing room for a long time. And so I think that it wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. The trade deadline comes up. You wonder if maybe Scott Lawton's getting moved out, a guy who's been the only consistent letter wearer for the team. Uh, They throw an A on Travis Konechny's jersey, which to me signals they're going to try to lock him up, as they should. Um, But look, these are two people that I know pretty well in Danny Barrera and Sean Couturier. And I know the relationship has always been good. It's always been personal. And I really do trust Danny Briere's judgment. And therefore, I trust John Tortorella's judgment because right now, every lever he pulls seems to hit. Yeah. And the Flyers, I mean, people like your co-host on Morning Cup of Hockey, Johnny Lazarus, they want to just keep doubting this Philly team. And at every turn, Philly keeps building up more and more, more, and more momentum. It's it, again, I, I doubted them for a while. And then after they went on that stretch where they beat Colorado, they beat Florida, they had a losing streak. They followed it up with a winning streak. Sam Erson yeah. has done a nice job in net. Uh, Cal Peterson is looking like shades of his old self when he's had to play. Um, look, they're going to sell some pieces off Tyler, but they're not selling major pieces. They're not selling Travis Konechny. Yes. You might lose Scott Lawton. Uh, he'd look damn good in an Edmonton Oilers Jersey. Um, you might lose Sean Walker, but I think those are things that they can recover. And look, we see how important it is to get a cushion into the playoffs because it's very hard to make up ground unless a team goes on some sort of 10 or 12 game losing streak. And I just would just don't foresee that happening. Yeah. Uh, the other team that plays in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Colby, it is quite the different situation in Pittsburgh. And last night, Jake Gensel goes down during their loss to the Panthers. So not only did they lose the game, but now there's question marks about the health of a guy who is one of two things for the Penguins, a key contributor to them getting back in the playoff race or potentially their biggest trade chip. And I would imagine GM Kyle Dubas was freaking out on both fronts as Gensel went down the tunnel again, didn't play more than half of the third period with the injury. We're waiting for more news on this, but either way, I, I think there's a part of me that when I saw that, I went, maybe Pittsburgh's got to make a decision sooner rather than later here. They need to make a decision. They need to pray that Jake Gensel is healthy. And then they need to go out and they need to find a team that he's willing to sign an eight-year contract with and pay him a shit ton of money. That way they maximize their return. Because let me tell you something. This team is nowhere near close to competing for a Stanley Cup. This team is way closer to a full-down, tear-down rebuild. Burn it to the ground. Build it back up. Because what they're doing is not working. Their power play is hard to watch with the talent they have. They do have some roster flexibility coming up over the next couple of years. Crosby's got one year left on his deal. Malkin's got two on his deal. Uh, Eller's up after a year. Um, you know, uh, Raquel's got a couple of years left. So there is going to be some flexibility down the road. But you've got an aging core. You're trying to hang on to the glory days. And again. Look at what happened in Chicago. They rode those two superstars way too deep, and then look what it cost them and how many years it's going to take them get back to get back. I think dark days ahead in Pittsburgh. I think they need to make some ballsy decisions. I think they need to have some serious conversations with Sidney Crosby, but I do believe the most forefront decision that needs to be made is that Jake Gensel needs to be you know, dealt in one of those sign and trade scenarios because then the Penguins can have a King's ransom return and at least start to think about what's more than one foot in front of their face. 
Yeah, I uh, it, and it won't be a similar return, different quality of player, different situation. But you think about all the good pieces Buffalo got back in that Jack Eichel deal and how it totally changed things around for them. I know they even became a playoff team, but like Tuck and Krebs, and that was significant. Pittsburgh needs something like that where you get a good young roster player and a high-end prospect so that you can really kickstart this thing and maybe still find a way to be competitive while Sid is in the league. And I don't uh, foresee them being competitive again this season or next season, yeah. the way things are going. And I have to wonder... And I know Fenway Sports Group loves Mike Sullivan, but if they go lay an egg tonight against the Chicago Blackhawks, and I have zero inside knowledge on any of these things, but I'm just saying, if they were to go lay an egg, you've got to wonder, this fan base is going to start revolting. And you just wonder, business is business, might that seat get really hot really quick after they lay an egg on national TV on a double broadcast? And I mean, did they lay an egg? They were to do it against Chicago tonight. You just have to wonder. I'm just saying. You just have to wonder. Yeah, with all that term left on his deal, I'd sit there and go, what ownership would want to sit there and sign up for all that wasted money? But if there is one, probably Fenway Sports Group. So uh, we got to move on. Deadline countdown for the day is all about Anaheim Duck Center. Adam Henrique, Jake Gensel, he's down on the list. He's down at 30. Adam Henrique, he's way up at the top and it's because he's having the season he is he's got the track record that he does uh 15 goals in 51 games Colby, a guy who can handle a lot of defensive responsibilities win you face-offs it's no surprise that a lot of contenders are interested in this guy matt larkin over at dailyfaceoff.com he outlined a couple of teams that he thinks would be a good fit the new york rangers were someone frank brought up yesterday you can see the list on your screen here the bruins Avs, stars panthers devils rangers and Maple Leafs are the teams Larkin outlined. Which one do you like the most as a fit for Henrique? The Florida Panthers. And the reason I like him for the Florida Panthers is because, A, they're going to have $5.7 million in cap space at the trade deadline in and around, give or take. Here's the second reason. I look at the third line of the Florida Panthers, and if I'm going to be nitpicking, because that's all you can do with the Florida Panthers is nitpick. I mean, they dear, they they near damn are playing perfect hockey. They're heavy, they're physical, they're deep. But I look at the third line with Lusterinen, Lundell, and Evan Rodriguez, and I think, you know what? I'd love to see Adam Henrique on that third line. Maybe for Lusterinen, maybe he moves down to the fourth line. Maybe that gives you a little bit of depth. I didn't love the way Lusterinen played last year in the playoffs. I know they made a deep run. The year before when they flamed out after having a great season, didn't love him in that playoffs. I just don't think there's enough heaviness to his game to keep that third line dominant and successful. And if we've seen anything in playoff runs recently, Tyler, third and fourth lines are mightily important. So I just like the Florida Panthers. And I think Zito is, is one piece away from winning a cup. He should go all in. He shouldn't worry about the future. Some of the other teams on that list, are they really one Adam Henrique away from a cup? Do they really want to give away more draft picks that they don't have? I just think Florida's really well positioned for that. And the East, I've said it a hundred times now, the East is wide open. So why wouldn't one of these teams like a Florida, New York, or Boston try to push some chips into the middle? Boston just doesn't have the assets. I'd love to see it happen, but they're just not close. They're not going to be able to put a competitive offer together. Yeah, I, I, when you go look at their cap friendly, it, it's pretty apparent that that's the case. Uh, but how about those Boston Bruins? Every year I've been doubting them, and for the last couple, they have proven me wrong. Let's take a deeper dive on what's making this Bruins team so successful with the coaches room. The Coach's Room is delivered by DoorDash for a limited time. Our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code 
Nation. 25 john goins you can find him on twitter at gourmet hockey you can listen to him on the tsn 690 broadcast of the habs and rocket but today john we're talking about the boston bruins sitting first in the atlantic first in the eastern conference right now and this is after losing bergeron and Krejci over the summer everyone thought the center depth would kill them and they'd take a step back how have they survived up the middle and maybe dig in a little bit on the face-offs as well while they're just surviving in the face-off circle, because in the four major categories for face-offs, overall, even strength, power play, and shorthanded, they were top four in all four categories. This year, they're only top four in one, and that's on the power play. They've dipped by 1%. So, you know, if you're a team that loses a lot of face-offs, I'll go back to the New York Islanders, those back-to-back conference runs. They weren't dynamite in the face-off circle. But what happens next is that much more important. And I think a team like Boston with a coach like Jim Montgomery, big-time details, the importance of what to do after you win a fa- after you lose a face-off and reloading and getting above pucks and identifying your 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 man has been key to them surviving, not winning as many draws as they did last year. So we got some tape on that as well to dig through with uh, the Bruins and their faceoffs, right? No, we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna gloss over it because everybody wants to talk about faceoff. We're actually gonna talk about how they apply the pressure on teams to maintain. Uh, zone time and the other part we're going to focus on is what they're doing once they lose the puck they have an approach where they really want to play half ice hockey but that half ice is up the ice some coaches believe in this I do to an extreme to quite a bit is that the best defense at times is the best offense in terms of puck possession forecheck and the more time you can spend up ice and the less time you're defending there's a good chance that, especially with their high-end players, they're going to be allowed to uh, to shine to their best of, of their abilities. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Well, John, you look at the areas that uh, have made them, you know, so successful and and they sit third overall for fewest goals against per games played in the NHL. And you wonder, is that their decor? Is that their back pressure? I know you've got some video of this that you're going to dive into and show us just what makes them so successful about the way, um, you know, that they defend and why they don't give up a lot of goals. Yeah, and it's going to be the rush against They're They're. You know, you could have a good start. They had a good start, but actually in their last, um, let's call it 21 games, they're 13, four and four. And the focus has been on decreasing, significantly decreasing on man rushes again. So before Christmas, they were about 26th in the league at on man rushes against at even strength. Since then, they're second. They're second. So that commitment keeps evolving that's what makes really good coaches jim montgomery for example is that you lose certain players but you have to adapt as the season goes on not just in the off season so let's fire up some of these rush against clips and we're going to see how well they reload and how well they are committed to team defense big thing is that they force teams to delay a ton because they take away the inside 
Watch. Carlo's going to identify Hagel early. Surf across. Meet him stick on stick, body on body. And how quickly a quick transition by Tampa is nullified. Here, urgency. Game 1,000 for Brad Marchand. He's got a back check like he's trying to score a goal. What does he do? Force the delay. Everybody else inside dots. Now the puck is no longer in elite players' hands for Tampa. Quick up, met with four guys in the picture, force a delay again. If they can't close you right away like we saw with the Carlo clip, they own the dots like crazy. Turnovers happen. Happens to the best of us. What do you do after? Is it just up to McAvoy? Or how about Trent Frederick going from blue inside the blue line to all the way back in his own great stick? And how quickly there are five guys in the house and Tampa can't create from there. I thought Boston deserved a better fate on uh, on Tuesday. I was in the building. And here's another play that leads to the rush against where we're going to see Tampa gets it. You look, they're going for that quick transition and how quickly they're outnumbered by Boston every step of the way. Interesting. Uh, there's always that saying, John, the best defense is just a great offense. Would you say that maybe applies a little bit to Boston and what specific areas, I guess, have they adapted to maybe excuse this notion? Well, one of the things that they wanted to do is, again, if you're going to play this kind of like half ice mentality, but up the ice and not on your side as much as possible, is you're going to have to find ways to create ozone possession time. Earlier in the year, I did a whole presentation on 1-3-1 offensive zone play at 5-on-5, and they are a team that does it quite a bit. It's something Jim Montgomery brought over from St. Louis, and it creates zone time because you're able to recover pucks. You're able to create two-on-ones all over the ice, triangles all over the ice, uh, all over the ozone, and you can also trust your teammates that they're going to be there. The other element is if you want that zone time, it starts with forecheck and puck management. So let's fire up the clips and we'll see how quickly when your best are placing pucks and you're forechecking, good things will happen. Simple cross dump. Boston looks like they don't have the numbers. Heinen goes in. Stick has to create indirect passes for Philly. That way you can create these forechecks, win the races to the slot. You get a deflection. It's in the back of the net. But we're going to go to the replay on this so we can really identify Heinen. You got Geeky takes a wall. This is not rocket science. This isn't new, but it's just the consistency of which teams can accomplish. These little things can create scoring off of plays that look like nothing. When you've got your best player placing and chasing, like Pasternak, that's game management. That's team play. He sends it, almost hits Van Riemsdyk for a scoring chance. You got to win puck recoveries. You got to win board battles. These guys were phenomenal Tuesday on board battles against Tampa. You get inside the arms. You're constantly getting back above the puck. You win these little races one step at a time. Anticipation. And you can see how quickly they look to attack the goal mouth. And again, Pasta wins his race to the slot. It's in the back of the net. They use everybody in the Ozone, right? So this is a simple five guys versus three down low. A quick low to high, east-west, well, what's going to happen? They're going to get boxed out. No, let's pull the center right out to the top, 1-3-1 one, one offense. Now Grizzly can recover, and it keeps that zone time, keeps that zone time. Here, turnover. Shit happens. You got to get above pox. Now look at this. I trust Pasternak's going to reload and get above. 
I trust Grizzlick's going to be backdoor because why? We have a 1-3-1. One, one. Look at this no-look pass. Now Grizzlick's walking down. You want to feed guys mobile D like this because it's going to create more space. You're attacking the width and the depth of the zone at all times. But again, we've always known Boston as like an edgy team. It's always been, you know, you're tough and black and all that type of stuff. But you got to win these board battles. But it's the movement that allows them. Again, the one-three-one, neat little pass from Lindholm to DeBrusque in the slot. And look at McAvoy, another BU guy hunting. He's always hunting. Grizzly always hunting. Always in position to jump on loose pucks, put pressure. Not necessarily to light anybody up, but they're constantly putting pressure. And again, focus on McAvoy here at the bottom of the screen. He's constantly in movement. He's not standing still at the blue line, and it's going to open up these little backdoor plays. But again, it's the possession time, as we could see at the top right of the corner. This started with a prior play that led to an offensive zone faceoff. That is 101 on the clock. So they are all about high-quality scoring chances. But if we talk about getting all five guys involved, they do a phenomenal job of that. But it starts with playing hard on the walls. Always an education, John. Really enjoyed that breakdown there, as we do every week in the coaches' room. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, guys. That was the coaches' room for our friends at DoorDash. And now we move on to hashtag AskDFO. Our inbox question brought to you by Tourism Jasper. Family days coming up. No better time to spend a little bit with your loved ones out in the Rockies head to jasper.travel for more information Colby we're hearing Connor Bedard is inching towards a return for the Chicago Blackhawks and it could come tonight against the Pittsburgh Penguins so I want to ask you he's missed the last 14 games what percent chance do you still give Connor Bedard of winning the Calder Look, I think he's still going to win the Calder just because I think there's a major bias, but I don't think he should based on missing 14 games. And honestly, I I'm not convinced he's going to play tonight because he hasn't taken contact in practice yet. I know that's swirling around out there. Maybe I'll be wrong, but I would think they would want to be more cautious with their prized possession. I think Brock Faber should and, and, and should be the favorite to win the Calder Trophy to see what he's doing the minutes he's playing. So if I had to give you a percentage, I'd say it's probably still a 50 to 60% chance Bedard wins it. Um, and I don't not think he's been the best rookie, but he's just missed a significant amount of time and Faber's played his best hockey of the season. Yeah, Faber has been unbelievable. Our friends at Botano, they give Connor Bedard roughly a 74% chance of winning the Calder at minus 286 odds. The Hawks in the 14 games since he got hurt have only scored 20 goals as a team in that span. It has been rough without number 98 in the lineup. Uh, let's move along to our daily bets for the day, presented by Batano. The game starts now at batano.ca. I got a couple of plays for this evening. The first is a money line parlay. The Oilers and the Rangers, Edmonton, bounced back with a victory over the Red Wings, and their offense started to wake up a little bit as well. They scored eight goals, all at five on five. I like them to keep rolling tonight against the Blues, playing it with the New York Rangers, who are a damn good home bet 
so far this season. So I don't like either price straight up, but I like them played together at plus 114. And my shop prop parlay, a very juicy plus 164. Anton Lundell of the Florida Panthers has hit this number in 10 consecutive hockey games. Charlie McAvoy had seven in the Bruins game against the Lightning the other day, and he's hit this mark in eight of 10. Play them together at plus one. 64 and Colby that brings us to garbage time for the day brought to you by Wendy's and the daily face-off survivor pool Colby Morgan Riley is going to be appealing his five-game suspension your thoughts a waste of time because it's just going to Gary Bettman and to me the reason they only gave him five games not six is because if he does get six game suspension then his his appeal goes to an independent arbiter and so if it's five games or less, Gary Bettman is the judge, uh, the jury, and the executioner. And I think that was very well planned out. Um, so to me, this is just theater. I think five games is, is about what everybody expected. I think it's going to stand. Um, but I think the circus continues in Toronto because that's what happens. Yeah, I just want this story to die in all honesty. So I'm very, I'm hoping Gary Bettman comes in quickly and just says, no, we're not changing it, this one. It is really funny. as player reactions are leaking out and the similar reaction coming from just about everybody on both sides of this is I was cracking up. I thought this was hysterical. Brady Kachuk said it last night. You've heard Toronto guys say, I mean, the whole thing, I, I don't know, man. I, I've loved the whole thing and everything about it. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to have these kind of storylines in the NHL. It's good to have uh it's good to have a heel, and Ridley Gregg certainly doesn't mind playing that role. Uh, that is a wrap on Garbage Time, brought to you by Wendy's. They're letting you win real food with your fantasy team this year and daily face-off. For those of you who smoke the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes. And hey, maybe if you're a loser, you can download the Wendy's app, like me, and score 150 bonus reward points. You could be a winner at lunchtime anyways. Here are your options for this evening. I don't know which one I would go with if I was still alive. Not that people care because I suck at it. Maybe Pittsburgh to go over three and a half against the Hawks. Maybe their offense can uh, can finally wake up. Colby, great work today. Always fun doing the show with you. Everyone on the YouTube, you were fantastic as well. Frank's back tomorrow on a Friday edition of the show. So we'll chat with you then at noon Eastern. Thanks for tuning in to Daily Face Off Live. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode.